So I don't particularly understand cancel culture and sports. Uh, I get it in entertainment. Like, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I mean, I don't love cancel culture. I do think when certain people or certain things happen or certain people say certain things or do certain things, they do deserve to be canceled and lose opportunities that they have profited off. I, I, you know, I get that. But in sports, you know, when they, you know, when people say, oh, you can't kneel. Kneel's, kneeling is going gonna to drop the ratings. People are not going to watch. And I'm like, um, baseball has been kneeling. Basketball has been kneeling. Baseball ratings have been great. Be- base- I mean, baseball ratings have been really good. Basket- I mean, basketball ratings, I-, I mean, I'm sure with the playoffs coming up this week, the basketball ratings are going to be gr- outstanding. So what are, what, are, what are we talking about? We can't, I, I, I don't understand it. Um, when people say, "Oh, I'm boycotting this," or I'm, I'm canceling this in sports. Well, I don't know. You may not be a great. You not. You may not be as big of a sports fan as I. I am because um, you know, when people say, "Oh, you can't kneel," they can't kneel. They're gonna lose ratings. Uh, nah. I understand the movement. I'm for the cause. I'm down for the cause. People are watching. I'm sure a lot of people are down with the cause, and they're watching. And if they're not, they're still watching. So. Um, we're gonna talk about Damian Leonard. We're gonna get into the, you know, welcome back everybody. Happy Friday, happy Friday. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. We're gonna get into Damian Leonard, of course, and the Portland Trailblazers. Um, by the way, side note, Brooklyn played well last night. Curtis, Curtis Levert is a baller. He's a straight up. He was like, you can just tell when certain guys are just they just have they they just have the niche of just scoring the basketball. It, it just looks very easy, uh, and he's one of those guys in the league. There's 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 guys in the league that can just score, like can just straight up score the basketball. Um, we're gonna get into LeBron and the Lakers uh, playoff matchups and so, and so forth. We've got some NFL talk as well. I can't wait to get into it. I'm gonna play this quick instrumental for you guys real quick. We about to get into it. We about to get into it. to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, episode 145, episode 145. I'm your humbled and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid of the IKP. We're back to business. Happy Friday, as I already mentioned. Um, also, I'm also, so we're going to get into blame, I'm going to blame uh, the Blazers and Dame. I'm going to get into the Blazers and Dame, obviously. Um, but I'm going to talk about the Suns and what they accomplished. I mean, because that was um, that was great, and I'm going to talk about the young core. Um, so Damian Leonard and the Blazers blame <laughs> uh, they 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 played well last night. 
Um, and I, and by the way, I was watching that game. I already mentioned Brooklyn. I don't want to play fantasy basketball. I'm gonna talk about Brooklyn real quick. I don't want to. I don't want to play fantasy basketball and try to fantasize Durant and Kyrie with that with with those key players, those role players that Brooklyn has that are really good. I don't. I'm not gonna play fantasy basketball, but. That's a great look for Brooklyn. And Brooklyn, they played hard throughout the the eight games. They played hard. They practically had their 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 their, their playoff spot locked up. Um, even last night, they they weren't playing for nothing, and they still went out there play hard and could have won the game. But let's talk about Blazer, the Blazers, and Damian Leonard. Damian Leonard, he's been a man on a mission these last few weeks. Damian Leonard's been a man on a mission. He's, I mean, he's been, he's been left and right. Uh, the Paul George and Clippers beef, uh, Skip Bayless and that situation, Dame handled that well. Dame dropped 51, uh, 61, and he had like, what, 41 last night? That, that, I mean, outrageous. Great score. We already know how great of a score he is. But Dame, and people are saying, oh, where's this guy? Dame has always been an elite point guard. Um, for the last few years, Dame has been elite. Dame has been playing at this elite level for the last two years. He's been playing at this elite level. But even though in, in, in he's getting a lot of love now, Dame, he's receiving a lot of love now. But there are players um, in, 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 in his rightful position, in, their, in his position, point guard, there's point guards around the league that the basketball media and the fans, we talk about all the time. And we show them a lot of love. And those players are talented. I'm talking about the Westbrooks and the Kyrie Irvings. Those players are talented. They're talented as hell. You can probably make a case that they're more talented than Dame. But the, I think the great separator between Damian Leonard and Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving is... Damian Leonard, he's a winning basketball player, and he can, he's the best player on the team. Of course, he's the he's the he's the best player on the Blazers, without a shadow of a doubt. But not only him being the best player on the Blazers, he also includes everybody else. He's he, he's he, he's a great leader. And when I think of Russ, when I think guys like Westbrook and Kyrie Irving, who play the same position as Damian Leonard, and it seemed, it, it not, I mean, it's just the fact of the matter. The basketball media, the basketball world, the fans, they tend to show more love to Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook. And I get it. Kyrie won the championship, even though he had LeBron. Russell Westbrook is freakishly athletic and played with Durant. But I'm just trying to figure out, is it because of Daniel? Like, is it because he went to Weber State? I had to even look up, like, where now is Weber State? We, we, like, I don't even know where Weber State is. Kyrie went to Duke. Russell Westbrook went to UCLA. Traditional college powers. Then NBA comes around. Uh, Dame gets drafted, but Dame goes to Portland. That's in the corner of the country. He plays in Portland. Uh, come on. He plays in the corner of the country. Not really too glamorous. And, you know, with Kyrie, Russell Westbrook, they got the big shoe deals. Russell Westbrook personality, you know, his fashion. They get more talked about, more than Dame. But now Dame is earning his, you know, he's earning his right due respect. 
He, I, and I'm, I'm glad for Dame. I'm glad for Dame. And it's this narrative. It's this narrative a, a few years back that diehard Damian Lillard fans came up with. It's the narrative of they stay sleep on Dame. That's the narrative. That's the narrative that diehard Damian Lillard fans came up with. Because, quite frankly, basketball media, the, the basketball world, fans, so forth, for a long time, they slept on Damian Lillard. And it was true. And he went and ran with the narrative. He has, And Damian Lillard always has embodied this underdog mentality, uh, mentality. Um, this, uh, you know, he's one of the best clutch players, if not the best clutch player in basketball. He always embodied that. But Westbrook's fan favorite, and I'm, and, I, and this is no, this is no, this is no Westbrook. Hey, you know, you guys know, I, I, I pay top dollars for Westbrook and his athleticism because, and how dynamic he is. He's very dynamic. But Westbrook is not, he, he doesn't make winning plays. And I and I talk and I talk well about Westbrook. You can go and you, you think I'm a hater. I talked well about Westbrook a couple weeks ago. When I met, when I when I talked about Westbrook and the Rockets, I talk well of him. But often we have seen in Westbrook Russell Westbrook career, very often, where he doesn't make the winning plays. He doesn't think about others around him. Kyrie Irving, same thing. You know, before before LeBron, Kyrie Irving was the winner. The Cleveland Cavaliers were nowhere near a, a playoff. They were nowhere near to being competitive, let, let alone playoffs. They weren't competitive. They weren't competitive. But we just we just drooled over Kyrie Irving's handle and his talent and his gifts. Rightfully so. Very talented player. Very talented player can score the basketball like hell. But you put him with, you know, he leaves Cleveland. He leaves LeBron in Cleveland. LeBron still gets to the finals. He goes to Boston. Young core in Boston. Young stars in Boston. Great coaching Brad Stevens. Couldn't figure out. Couldn't get it done. Chaotic. And even this year in Brooklyn. Didn't play much in Brooklyn because he's often hurt. That's also, that's also a key. That's also a downside. That's also a negative to Kyrie Irving. O often hurt. Often hurt. It, it's, very, it's very seldom when he plays a full season. But often hurt this year in Brooklyn. But even this year in Brooklyn, when Kyrie did play, uh, Brooklyn wasn't the same team. But without Kyrie, they had a better record. That's, that's just a fact. But with Dame, we, 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 we never, I, 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 and I'm not going to include myself in this, because I, I know how good of a player Damian Lillard is. But I feel like people question, like, Dame, is he on the same level as Westbrook and Kyrie Irving? That's all that, and, and, and even Steph Curry. Dame right now is a top ten player in basketball. Dame, right? Dame is a top ten player in basketball. Is Kyrie Irving a top? Mm, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think Kyrie Irving is a top ten player in basketball. Is Russell Westbrook a top ten player in basketball right now? Mm, maybe. Maybe you can make a you can make a good argument for it, but uh, I, I don't know. But Damian Lillard, you cannot you, if, when you're discussing top ten basketball players. Because I think that's another thing we throw around. Oh, he's top ten. He's a top ten player. We throw that we throw that around a lot. 
we throw that we throw that little phrase around a lot. Oh, he's a top ten player. This was a top ten player. He's a top ten player. No, 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 no. Damian Leonard's a top ten player. And if you don't have Damian Leonard as a top ten player right now, something's absolutely wrong. And so far in the bubble, he's been the best player. And he's gonna he's gonna win bubble MVP. And the Blazers are going to get to the playoffs. And I'm not sure if they're going to beat the Lakers because I don't, I don't know who guards LeBron. I don't know, I, I, like Portland, I don't, they don't have nobody that can guard LeBron, and I'm going to talk about that. But I don't think, I think Portland gets to the playoffs. Damian is going to win bubble MVP. And they're going to they're gonna give, the, give the Lakers, if they don't beat them, they're going to get the Lakers a hell of a series. That's going to be a six or seven game series. Portland's that good. Portland's that good. And a couple weeks ago, before the restart, I must admit, I was wrong. A couple weeks ago, before the restart, Charles Barkley said the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers. This was before the restart. And I talked about this on the pod. And I said, and I dismissed it really quickly. I, 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 you know, I, I was wrong. I dismissed it really quickly. When, when I played the clip for you guys and, I, and then I reacted to it, I said, hey, that's no way on God Green's earth that's happening. I, I said the Lakers would beat the Blazers in five games. I said, no, the Blazers are not winning. They're not going to beat the Lakers in the series. Well, a couple weeks passed by. Uh, you know, the bubble, these seeding games are over. Now the Blazers have to play in these play-in games. If the Bla- by the way, if the Blazers win one play-in game, they have the A spot. The Grizzlies have to win two playoff. I mean, they have to win two play-in games to get the A spot. The Blazers are in the A spot right now, so they only have to win one game. They only have to win one game. So when people say, "Oh, uh, you know," I, I was I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I you know I I dismiss the Portland Trail Blazers too quickly. I dismissed them because before the before the, and that was before the restart. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't see, you know, Nurkic came back, Zach Collins came back, <laughs> these guys came back, and, I, you know, I, I dismissed the Blazers too quickly, I did, I, I dismissed them too quickly, but Dane is the best point guard in the league right now, and he's definitely a top 10 player in the league right now. I'm sure Steph Curry will have something to say about that as far as Dane being the best point guard. Because I think Steph is the best point guard, but Steph is hurt. Steph isn't playing. Damian Leonard is the best point guard right now in the league. Dam- Damian Leonard is the best point guard in the league right now as we, st- as we, as we sit here today and, or as I sit here today and talk. <laughs> as I sit here today and talk, Damian Leonard is the best point guard in the league right now. He's a top 10 player, without a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. These games have been great too, by the way. Last night game, absolute thriller. Absolute thriller. I mean, they, they started off well in the second half. Um, they started off well in the first half, excuse me. Brooklyn made, Brooklyn made a run in the third quarter. They went into the fourth quarter with a seven-point lead. And Dane looked so poised. Because, like I said, Brooklyn... They tried everything defensively. Brooklyn tried everything defensively. They tried doubling Dame. I mean, boy, oh boy, it, it, it was just unfair. I mean, I think one, it was one shot in the fourth quarter where Dame just straight up came down the floor, 
soon as they cross half court, pull up, bang. Uh, I mean, just nothing. I mean, straight drop. <laughs> straight drop. The net didn't, I mean, the, the net didn't even, sw- like, the net didn't even move. It was just straight in the bucket. And I'm like, that's unfair. I mean, that's unfair. Another three-pointer that stood out to me was Dame. Uh, he, he was on a, a corner three. Sidestep, um, Joe Harris heavily contested. Dame still hits it. Boom. Splash. I mean, it, that's just unfair. That's what I said. Dame's the best pure shooter. He's the, be- he's the best pure shooter in the bubble. He's, he's been the best player in the bubble so far. Um, and like I said, he's, they're gonna, the Blazers are going to get the A spot. Um... And well, they're gonna keep their spot because they're already in their spot. They're gonna keep their eighth spot. Um, and with Dame, you know, he let CJ McCollum get off. CJ CJ McCollum, shout out, shouts out to him. He's playing with a fractured back. He's he's playing with a fractured lower back. But Dame, you can see the poor, like Dame lets the game come to him. And he even said it post game. He said it post game. He said I was being very passive. Early on, but then as the game got tighter and the fourth quarter started to go down, Dane was like, no, I got to be aggressive. Love that. He got CJ McCollum involved early on. Nurkic played a big role. I think the Blazers offensive rebounding played a tremendous role last night. Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside, they dominated and they crashed the boards last night. Against a very tiny Brooklyn team, Brooklyn Brooklyn isn't huge at all. Brooklyn Brooklyn is small. The only the only big that Brooklyn played was Jared Allen, and Nurkic. They, he, I mean, Brooklyn just couldn't keep Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside off the glass. That was a key last night. But everybody, I mean, Dame just orchestrated. He, you know, different defenses. Uh, Brooklyn tried. They tried doubling him as soon as they passed half court. I think I even saw a little bit of boxing one that Brooklyn tried. Dame just orchestrated it. Look as calm as you can be. I love Dame. I, I, mean, I mean, I think it's because we don't, we, I don't think he was getting, a, he wasn't getting the proper credit because, you know, he played at Weber State. Did he, you know, he, he's with Adidas. And even with Adidas, he's, you know, Adidas sneakers, basketball shoes. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, a lot of people, uh, most people would go with Nike. Most people like the Nike athletes. But Dame with Adidas don't have a huge shoe contract. It's a good shoe contract. It's not LeBron or KD's, though. You know, it's not, it's not Steph's contract. But it's a, good shoe, it's a good contract. But he played at Weber State. With, he signed with Adidas, plays in the corner in the country. Um, with, with Portland, uh, but Dame is always, I mean, for the last few years, Dame has been an elite point guard and he's going to probably go down as, uh, the greatest blazer ever. Certainly he keeps this up. And I think Dame has about, he, Dame has about probably five or six more prime years. He's going to be the greatest blazer ever. Trust me. So as I mentioned, Portland and Memphis, they're playing in playing games. These next couple days, they're gonna be playing and playing games. Portland has the A spot. If Portland win one, if Portland wins one game, they're in the A spot. They play the Lakers in the playoffs. I think that will happen. I don't think I don't see Memphis beating the Blazers two times before the Blazers beat them once. I don't I don't see that happening. So the Blazers are gonna have to play the Lakers. The Lakers have to play the Blazers, and so forth. And once again, another postseason. 
We're going to have to ask LeBron to carry the weight of his squad on his shoulders. Well, once again, ask LeBron to do that. And, you know, we did, we asked him to do it 2007, 2018 with the with his the, last year with the Cavs. We asked him to do it back in 2015 when, when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love went down. We're at, we always, we always some, some way, some, you know, in some way, some form or fashion, we always ask LeBron to put the, put the, put the squad on your back. And once again, we're asking him to do it this year. With the lack of uh, playmakers that the Lakers have, we're going to ask LeBron to playmake. We're going to ask, we're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to ask LeBron to playmake and do all these type of things. Um, then defensively. On the wings, their perimeter defense isn't the greatest. You know, down the stretch, they might ask LeBron to, hey, you got to lock up. We need you to lock up this guy for this quarter. Down the stretch, we need you to lock him up. We're going to ask LeBron to do that. Don't you know? I've been, I, I, you know, I've been thinking about this. And look, as far as LeBron, when he's competing for, when he's legitimately Competing for a title. This is the LeBron. LeBron's going to be LeBron. I'm telling people, uh, uh, LeBron is going to be LeBron. In any series he pl- he plays in, LeBron is going to be LeBron. He's going to put up LeBron-type numbers. Like Portland. Portland don't have nobody that's going to guard LeBron James. Portland, literally, they literally have nobody that they can throw at LeBron James. Like Trevor Reza is in the bubble they're gonna. Portland is literally gonna be. They're gonna be relying on Mario Hazonia and Carmelo Anthony to guard LeBron James. By the way, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And somebody just texted me. But it's not gonna work. But LeBron being LeBron and LeBron putting up LeBron-like numbers doesn't always equal a championship. Dating back to 2012. When LeBron has an all-star caliber teammate, he wins the title every time. Let's do it. 2012, Dwayne Wade averaged 22 points per game in the finals. D-Wade was still an all-star caliber player, still a really good player when they beat the Thunder. He was a really good player that season and a really good player in that final series. 2013, D-Wade averaged 20 points per game in the finals against San Antonio Spurs. Great series. D-Wade played like an all-star caliber player. Okay. 2014, D-Wade body is starting to erode. His knees are breaking down. D-Wade only averaged 14 points per game. LeBron did LeBron. LeBron's going to put up great numbers because that's what he does. But they lost to the Spurs. In 2015, LeBron's first year in Cleveland, Kyrie goes down and get hurt in the finals of game one. Kevin Love got hurt earlier during the postseason that year. So his best players in that series against the Warriors in 2015 was Timothy Mozgov and Matthew Dellavedova. LeBron put up great numbers. 2016, Kyrie played outstanding. Kyrie played played exceptional. Averaged 27 points per game. 
Cavaliers won the title because LeBron, LeBron's going to put up LeBron-type numbers. 2017. Now, this is the only exception. Back in 2017, LeBron did have Kyrie, and Kyrie played well in that series, and LeBron played well, but they were, they were outmanned. Like, the Warriors had Steph, Durant, KD, Clay. Like, that was the, that was the greatest team on paper ever. That was the greatest starting lineup ever. That's the greatest starting lineup ever right there. With Steph, Durant, Clay, Draymond, Durant, um, and whoever their center was. The greatest, greatest super team ever right there. Assembled. Right there. So that's the only exception. And then in 2018, his last year in Cleveland, no Kyrie, Kevin Love was hurt, J.R. Smith was J.R. Smith. He only averaged nine points in that series. LeBron averaged a triple-double in that 2018 finals. So as you can see, there's a trend. When LeBron has an all-star caliber teammate, he wins the title every year. Except for one year when you're playing an all-time great. Like, that 2017 is the exception. When you're just playing an all-time great team, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's going to happen. You're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. But from dating back from 2012 all the way up to 2018, when LeBron has an all-star caliber teammate, he wins the title. Simple as that. He wins the title. I read you out those numbers. He wins the title every single year when he has an all-star caliber player by his side. So that's why I say the real question is not going to be about LeBron. When, if the Lakers lose, if the, if the Lakers don't win the title, yeah, we're going to, you know, LeBron, we're going to talk about LeBron, but he's going to play great because that's what he does. But we're going to be talking about guys like Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma because, as you can see, there's a trend. Just give LeBron an all-star caliber teammate, he wins a title. Give LeBron a guy... That's gonna that's gonna be a dog in the postseason. He wins a title. He he, he wins a title every every time, every time for the exception of one year. He wins the title. That's all I'm saying. And if you think about it, if you're a Laker fan, and I'm a Laker supporter, I'm big on the Lakers. I'm big on LeBron. But. The Lakers, we, you know, we've been talking about, and I've been talking about it too. I've been talking about how the Lakers' offense hasn't been great in the bubble. They, I mean, the, the Lakers' offense has not been great in the bubble. They're last in every major offensive category. They're, 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 they're dead last in every offensive, uh, in, in every major offensive statistic category. They're last. And they had that one game against Denver. Where they, they play and shot the ball well on offense. But this is the like the the, the Portland Trailblazers, this is the right team to get your offense. I mean, Portland don't play no defense. Portland, Portland first don't have nobody that can guard Anthony Davis. They can put Nurkic on him. They can put Hassan Whiteside on him. They have bodies to throw at Anthony Davis. That doesn't mean they're gonna stop him. And the Blazers damn sure don't have nobody that can guard LeBron. 
this is the perfect series. This is the perfect first round series. Also, you're going against a really good backcourt. The next series, you could possibly be going against a really good backcourt. This is great preparation. This is great preparation for the Lakers. If they win this series, this is great preparation for the next series. Because they're gonna have to go, they're gonna probably have to go against Houston if if OKC don't beat them. I think this is great preparation, but for a struggling offense like the Lakers, this is the perfect defense to help a struggling offense. The Blazers defense, boy oh boy, they don't they don't play none at all. And they don't have anybody that can guard the Lakers' best two players. They don't. I think this is the perfect situation for a straight a struggling Lakers offense. Perfect situation. And it's funny, we all like we all, like throughout the postseason, throughout LeBron's career, we always say, "Hey, LeBron, save us." We all we like we always we're always asking LeBron to do the just the unthinkable. Like LeBron, please save us. And that's why I say, LeBron is the glue. He's the glue that's holding this Laker mess together. I mean, it's it's just it's just honest. He's he's save he's always saving a day, and he's always the glue. That's holding together his own team. He's he's the glue. And speaking of saving the day and uh, being being the glue and being you know you know having to come back, I thought Russell Wilson said something very interesting. Um, and Russell Wilson's a great guy. I love him. I mean, <laughs> I like Russell Wilson. I like Russell Wilson. And you guys know that. You guys know um, as a, he's probably the best player. In football right now. You can make an argument that he's the best player. Many of you guys will go with Mahomes. But as far as a football player, Russell Wilson's probably the best. Now, Mahomes is the best quarterback. But Russell might be the best player. Um, just, you know, the way how he deciphers defenses, breaking down defenses, his looseness, uh, his deep ball is really good. So forth, so forth, blah, blah, blah. I've talked about this on this podcast before about Seattle um, and Pete Carroll and Pete Carroll and how I think uh, they, they, you know, they haven't drafted well. Uh, offensive line isn't great. He's often had mediocre passing targets. Not good at all. This is, and like I said, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is a great guy. And this is as close you're going to get him to say something bad or this is this is close you're gonna get to Russell Wilson criticizing Seattle and Pete Curl. This is as close you're gonna get it here. Early in the games, you know, I want you know definitely and rather than us having it be in the fourth quarter, I think to be able to, you know, make some stuff happen. I think we wanna I think we have a crazy stat of the lead of, you know, I think fifty six and zero when we have the lead, you know, and by halftime and stuff like that. I think, you know, getting getting ahead is a key thing. You know, I do believe definitely believe in finishing strong. I think we've won we won a lot of games in the fourth quarter and uh, you know, been uh, do some fun things in the fourth quarter and then the but, um, you know, let's treat every quarter as the fourth, you know, and I think that's my mentality always. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I can't pause. I thought, it was going about, I thought it was about to end. But so forth, that is um, that, that that's that's what we're talking about. Russell, like, you know, Seattle. And that's all, that's all I talked about when they acquired Jamal Adams. I talked about how Russell Wilson always have to save. 
They have to, he has to continue to save Seattle. They get in these big-time deficits. And the crazy stat that he's alluding to that, or that he's talking about in that video was this. Since 2012, when Seattle is leading by four or more points, Seattle is 52-0. and 0. And often, I, I watch a lot of Seahawks games, and often, they, they you know, it's it's old school. They run the ball a lot, and I'm like, why are these why why is Seattle so conservative? Why is Seattle so conservative? Actually, last year, Seattle trailed ten times last year going into halftime. Ten ten times they trailed going into the half going into halftime. I mean, that's just too many times. And most of the, and most of those times in, in those games, Russell Wilson would have to come and save the day. And Seattle would win those games. But Seattle won a lot of close games. Like, literally, all of their wins were close last year. I think Seattle, look, look, go look at Seattle's results in their games last year, the, like the schedule of last year, and look at their results. They only had one blowout. Seattle had one game. They, had, they, they literally had one win where they won more than seven points. All, but the rest of their wins are, are close games. And, it, it, you know, Russell Wilson has to improvise. He has to be elusive. He has to come and save the day. He got he to make some type of heroic fourth quarter comeback. And, I mean, he's really great at that. He's, he's probably the best in the league at doing that at this point. But you don't want to contend. Like, you can't. That's not a winning formula. That's not how you're going to win Super Bowls. Now, that's great that you have a quarterback that, that can do that. But did you just hear that stat? When Seattle, since 2012, since Russell Wilson has been with Seattle practically, since 2012, when Seattle is leading or winning by four or more points, they are 52-0. Get on, And what Russell Wilson is saying in that clip, get off to a quick start. Get off to a quick start. And we got to, you know, it, it's it, like you said, he makes some incredible plays. Uh, their offense clicks. But in the first... Half in the first three quarters, Seattle's ultra conservative. They're ultra conservative. They like to run the ball. It's very old schoolish and methodical. And I'm like, why? You have one of the most electrifying quarterbacks in football, if not the most electrifying quarterback. You have you have a franchise. I mean, you have a superstar quarterback that can that can do an array of things. Why? Run, why, why be conservative? Why run the football? And that is why I give Russell Wilson the utmost praise. Because he overcomes so much. When people say, oh, you know, he overcomes so much. Um, defense, de- the defense of the last few years, Seattle's defense for the last few years has not been great. Their O-line la- the last few years has not been great. Actually, pro football focus came out and said, and rank they pro football focus they rank all up they rank the entire league's offensive lines and D lines and so forth they've been they, they ranked every position and Seattle's offensive line was ranked at twenty eighth they, they they have one of the worst offensive lines in football Russell Wilson overcomes it Russell Wilson don't complain about it he doesn't he you know he doesn't come out with, to the media and say hey you know our offensive line is bad they you know no he doesn't he, he just faces it. He overcomes it. He wins games. If they fall short, he takes, you know, he takes responsibility. And it's like, 
boy, oh boy. I mean, this guy, he is he he's he's literally saving Seattle. And I'm not I'm not saying Pete Curl's not a good coach. Um, Seattle, I'm not saying they don't have a great front office or a good well, a good front office. I don't think their front office is great. But last few years, these last three or four years, Seattle, their draft picks haven't been great. Their defense haven't been great. They still have yet to upgrade the offensive line. They can't rush the passer. It's just so many issues and so many holes with Seattle and Russ and, and, and with the Seahawks. And Russell Wilson's the band-aid. He's the band-aid that cover all these blemishes. He's the band-aid that covers all of these scars and these gaps. I talked about, I talked about, I talked about Seattle when they traded for Jamal Adams. And I said, great move. It's a big, splashy move. It's a splashy move because Jamal Adams is um, a great safety. And he's, probably, he's, he's one of the best safeties in football, if not the best. But, I, but I, in that same sentence, in that same you know, um, statement, I talked about how Seattle, this is a cover-up. Seattle, that trade for Jamal Adams was a cover-up. It was to cover up and tighten up loose ends. They haven't drafted well in the last few years. Their defense hasn't been good the last few years. I talked about that. I talked about it. I mean, and, you know, it's hitting home. Everybody's, you know, and now, you know, a lot of the media is now catching on. I've been, I've, but I've been huge on Russell Wilson for years. I've been huge. I've been huge on Russell Wilson. I've been huge on him. I mean, because how can you not like a guy like that? I, I mean, how? How, how how can you hate a guy like that? How can you how, like come on, come on? But he's the band aid that covers all of their all of their mishaps. Russell Wilson, he's the band aid that cover all of their mishaps. Seattle, I mean, I mean mediocre targets, Medi- I mean mediocre O line or below average O line if you want to be honest. Uh, mediocre defenses. And Russell Wilson, he continues to overcome it. He continues to overcome, and I, I, you know, I keep telling people, you know, this is not about Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's a good coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He, you know, he's he's a great, he was a great coach at the college level, and he's been a good coach with Seattle. But prior to Russell Wilson, he had he 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 had seven seven and nine seasons. He had back to back seven and nine seasons. Didn't have a winning record until Russell Wilson. In Seattle, he did not have a winning record until Russell Wilson arrived on the scene. That's all I'm saying. That's all. That's all. That's all I've been saying for the last few months. Um, and I'm, you know, it's, it, you know, the NFL seasons get coming closer. I'm make my predictions, and I'm just gonna, t- you know, I, I, I talk, I've been talking about how Seattle is just looking for moves to make because they see their division rival with the 49ers. The 49ers, their roster, I mean, they have no hope. The 49ers don't have a lot of holes. The 49ers don't have, like, 49ers got a good O-line, good D-line. They got their quarterback. They got a great coach. They, you know, receivers, check. Tight end, check. Running game, check. They can stop the run, check. They can, they can rush the passer, check. Secondary, it could, it, it could get better. Their secondary isn't below average. They're like, it's, not their, it's not like their secondary is below average. But you look at Seattle. Seattle has all these holes. Seattle defense messed up. Can't rush the passer. Offensive line bad. Like, Seattle's. I think they're they're make, they're trying to make these splashy moves to keep up with the 49ers because the 49ers they have the most complete roster in the division. 
the 49, the 49ers have the most complete roster in their division, and the Seahawks have to keep up. The Seahawks have to keep up and compete. They have to. So staying on in the, staying in the NFL for now, um, I so I was talking to a friend, and he he you know he's big on the Ravens. He's like the Ravens, and he was just you know the Ravens and the Chiefs are obviously the best two teams. They're the top two teams in the AFC, and every time the Chiefs sign somebody, you know. He he's excited because the Chiefs, you know, their salary cap, they're paying a lot of dudes. They they have some big contracts on the books. But often when I think about this, I often say, well, yeah, they're paying a lot of guys, and they're paying they're paying some big time players, big time money. But I think that's the name of the game in the NFL. And I often on this on this podcast, I often talk about the salary cap and the NFL and how hard the salary cap and who should be who like what positions do you pay what positions do you you're hesitant to pay big time money and I talked about this on this I talked about this on this podcast like a month ago or yeah about a month ago I talked about how the one position that doesn't get paid the most or I, I, I talked about a position that gets underpaid. And I talked about the tight end position. I talked about the tight end position being a under the probably the most underpaid position in the NFL because there's so many great and productive tight ends, and I think tight ends are nowadays are much are, they're more uh, they're more important than what they were 25 years ago. Tight ends are much more important than what they are 25 years ago. They're matchup problems, you know. Corners are often too small for them. Uh, linebackers are too fast. I mean, they're, they're, they're too fast for linebackers. They can run block. They, you know, they can run intermediate routes. They can run vertical routes. They can, they can do a lot. And with receivers, I was talking about the pay, the pay gap between the best tight end and and, and Golden Tate. Golden Tate was making more money than George Kittle. But George Kittle is is arguably the best tight end in football, and Golden Tate is he. I mean, he's not a bad receiver, but he's he's mediocre at this point. And you know the Chiefs. So it is quite ironic because George Kittle, the Forty ers they came to an extension. He got the biggest deal ever for a tight end. Congratulations to him. Um, and then Travis Kelsey. He got an extension, four years, worth $57 million. Congratulations to both of those two great tight ends, and they're really good. But this got me thinking. First, I talked about the tight end position. Guys like George Kittle, uh, he's a great run blocker. He can run vertical routes. He's great after the catch. Um, not just with his athleticism, but his physicalness and his toughness um, and his will not to go down. I mean, it takes two or three guys to bring Kittle down most times. He's fighting for extra yardage. Love that. I love that about him. Um, and then you look at a guy like Travis Kelsey, great pass catching tight end. Not a, not, 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 he's not the run blocker uh, that George Kittle is. Um, but the, his team, his like the way how his team, how offenses ran, and the personnel that his team has, 
They don't rely on him to run block a lot. They don't rely on him to run block like George Kittle. George Kittle, who plays for the 49ers, a lot of power football, a lot of running the football. Travis Kelsey plays for, uh, he plays with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They're going to throw the ball a lot. So no need to run block. He's, he's doing a lot of pass catching. But these tight ends, they can run intermediate routes, their matchup problems. When it's, and, and, and then during cold weather, they can run intermediate routes. They can, they can run short patterns. I think, you know, they, they have become much more important than, than they were 25 years ago. And you could argue that some of these tight ends are much more impactful than some of these receivers. Another thing is this. I talk, like I said, I talk about the, the, you know, the salary cap in the NFL and what and you know who teams should pay, what positions would I pay, what positions I prioritize. I often talk about this on this on this podcast. Um and I'm just gonna give you the Chiefs salaries. So the Chiefs are paying Patrick Mahomes $45 million. Uh, uh that's this is on a yearly basis. This is per year. Frank Clark is getting paid $20 million, Chris Jones is getting paid $20 million. Tyreek Hill is getting paid $18 million. Travis Kelsey is getting paid $14 million. And then Tyron Matthews is getting paid $14 million. $14 million. So that's six guys right there that's getting paid great salaries on a yearly basis. Six guys. And I know some of you guys may be like, whoa, the Chiefs don't have no money. They don't have no, they, they have no money. They, they can't pay anybody else. Well, that's okay. Because in this league, I often say, hey, pay, pay big time, big, big time money to big time stars. I didn't think that all, all throughout the summer, all throughout last year, I talked about Dak and his contract situation. Dak, I think, you know, I, I can only assume and, you know, given all the reports that we all know with the Dak contract or with the Dak negotiation uh, contract situation. Dak was looking for $35, $36, 37000000 million. He, he was looking close to $40 million. I came over here and said, Dak is not worth that amount. I would pay Dak uh, around, 30, around 30 to 32 maybe 33 But after once you pass 33 on 34 I, I wouldn't pay Dak $35 million a year. I wouldn't pay Dak $38 million a year. I just wouldn't. Because I don't, I think Dak, he's a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. You get me? He's not. He like you pay big money to really good players. You pay big money to big time players, and Dak is a good player. He's a good quarterback. You can make an argument for him for him to being you know for him being a top twelve quarterback. You can make a great argument for that. But does he deserve thirty eight million dollars a year? Forty million dollars a year? Mm, no, I don't. I, I wouldn't. Me personally, I wouldn't pay Dak forty million dollars a year. That's just me. But when I look at Kansas City and what they're paying for, I like it. You're paying for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he's worth every penny, if not more. Frank Clark, great pass rusher. He's worth it. Chris Jones, great. And t- he's he's probably the he's. I, you know, once you get past Aaron Donald, because Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in football, uh, let alone the best defensive interior player. But after Aaron Donald, Chris Jones might be the second best interior 
lineman in football behind Aaron Donald. Some You can make the case Fletcher Cox is better than Chris Jones, but Chris Jones, my point is, he's right there, and he's really impactful for that Chiefs defense. Tyreek Hill, one, he's Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. Travis Kelsey, he's, pa- he's, he's Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. Tyron Matthew, he was really the difference maker with that defense last year. Chris Jones, he's really impactful up, 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 up front. But Tyron Matthew is the anchor in the secondary, and he can play in the box. And he and with his versatility, you're not just you're not paying for a safety. You're paying for a great defensive football player. So when you're talking about Tyron Matthew, you're playing for a great defensive football player. So when I look at all the guys that the Chiefs are paying. They're making they're making their defense better, or they're making Patrick Mahomes' job much easier. When you're when you're when you're paying Mahomes his weapon, when you're paying Mahomes weapons, make his job easier. He doesn't have mediocre talent. When you're paying for your front for your defensive line, you're gonna get to other teams' quarterback. You're paying for Tyron Matthew, who's a just absolute difference maker in a baller in the secondary, and he can play in the box. That's what you're paying for. And I'm not mad with Kansas City. I think their money is going the right place. And I don't think, you know, with these massive contracts, I don't think it would have a negative impact with them long term. I, you know, Kansas City has a good, they have a smart front office. I like what they're doing. But when I look at teams like a couple years ago, I often talk about the Rams. The Rams, they were just they were just handing out contracts. They the, the Rams, I, in my opinion, they overpaid for Brandon Cooks, their third receiver. They the Rams overpaid for their third receiver, Brandon Cooks, great slot receiver. But they already had two good receivers with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. They they, they already had they already had they already had two good receivers. So if, if Brandon Cooks was asking for too much, they could have let him walk. Even though he's a good slot, he's one of the best slot receivers in the league, but they overpaid for him. And he has concussion problems and, and you know, he has, you know, in, he has countless concu- concussion injuries and they got rid of him. They end up getting rid of him. So they overpaid for him. He's often hurt and they, they end up trading him anyway. They, I think they paid Todd Gurley too early. Todd Gurley, you know, the knee situation, the arthritis, whatever it, it, it was, they overpaid for Todd Gurley. Even though at the time, he, he, he was a t- I mean, at the time, Todd Gurley was like a top 10 player in football at that time. But one could argue they overpaid for him or they paid him too early. I look at the Cowboys. They paid the offensive line, but... They paid for Amari Cooper. They gave him a lot of money. I mean, I like Amari Cooper. I think he's a I think he's a number one receiver, but he's not top ten. I mean, well, he's probably top ten, but he's not a top five receiver. And he often gets he he, he you know, too often Amari Cooper disappears against good cornerbacks. When he's when he's going against good DBs, he disappears. He, he he disappears often when he's going against really good DBs. He disappears. So when I so when we're talking about like the 49ers, I talked about the 49ers 
on the previous set on the previous segment talking about Seattle. The 49ers, they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo. They're paying their own line. They're paying the, you know, they're paying the defensive front. They're putting their money in the right places. It's either elevating their defense or elevating Jimmy Garoppolo. You're elevating Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers are elevating Jimmy Garoppolo by paying George Kittle, by paying Trent, Trent Williams. When you're paying for pieces to elevate your quarterback, your quarterback is going to be better. It's, he's going to be better off. Life is going to be easier. But, you know, I talked about the Jets. The Jets, they're paying Le'Veon Bell a ton of money. He hasn't been the same in years. Um, their linebacker, who the the um, CJ Mosley, they're paying they're paying a lot of money for CJ Mosley, but he's often hurt and he's opting out this year. Um, and then they were they were about to pay Jamal Adams, so they were about to pay for it. They was they're, they're paying for a linebacker, a running back, and then they almost paid for Jamal Adams, a safety. You know, it, you know when, you, when you, so when you're talking about this salary in the hard cap league that the NFL is, you gotta you gotta pay players their rightful salaries and their rightful price. Um, and like I say, pay big time players big time money. Big time players should get big time money. You gotta pay them. You got you, you got you you have to pay them, and you gotta pay the right positions. You gotta play. You gotta pay the right positions with the Jets. Like they, 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 didn't, they, they couldn't go out and sign a receiver, or they, they didn't want to keep uh, Sam Donald, uh, receiver, um, the skinny kid, uh, man, Robbie Anderson. They let him walk. The, the Jets are not paying for anybody that's gonna elevate Sam Donald. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, but they're paying for Le'Veon Bell, but. Le'Veon Bell, he, he, he hasn't been the same in years. He, he, he last year didn't have he didn't have that much production. I don't think he fits what Adam Gates is trying to do offensively. I think he might be gone after this year, to be honest. So it's like mm, you gotta pay the right you gotta pay the right players. You gotta play the right positions. If they're not better, if they're not bettering your team, if they're not elevating your quarterback or your franchise quarterback, come on. That's why I think Kansas City. You know, when people say, oh, they, got, they don't have no money. I think Kansas City's paying the right guys, though. They, 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 must, they, they may not, they may very well, they, they don't. They're paying a lot of guys. They're paying six guys big-time money. But you got to pay for the right pieces. The, I look at the Cowboys, DeMarcus Lawrence. They, I, mean, DeMarcus, I mean, the Cowboys are paying DeMarcus Lawrence a fortune. They're paying DeMarcus Lawrence a fortune. He only had five sacks. He had five sacks last year. Five. That was his, he had a, he had his worst year statistically last year. He had his worst statistical year last year, and the, and the Cowboys are paying they're paying him a fortune. That's my point. That that that's 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 my exact point right there. You got to pay the right players. You got to pay the right people. So yeah, I, I, so I wanted to talk about the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker and how how well they play in the bubble. Um, the, Devin Booker. I, I was high. On, I was really high on Devin Booker coming out of the draft. Um, he came out of the draft uh, a few years ago with Car Anthony Towns, and he played on that on that great Kentucky team. They, you know, they had an undefeated season, but they got knocked off in the in, in um, I think in the Final Four. They, I think they got knocked off. And he was a part of that team 
with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, the Harrison Twins, I think, uh, Willie Colley-Stein. He was a part of that team. But I think, like, for some of the games, he didn't even start all of the games. Devin Booker was coming off the bench for that team. That's how loaded that team was. De- Devin, Booker was Devin Booker was coming off the bench, and he was a really good prospect. And I loved his game. I always, I always loved his game. And coming out of college, he was more of a catch and shoot kind of guy. He could put, he could, he could put the ball on the floor, um, but it, it, it's not as advanced as it was, as it is now. Um, and I, uh, it, you know, throughout the years, I always liked how his game developed. I always liked how his game developed. But I like how the way that Phoenix Suns team developed and played over the bubble. Like, you know, we talk about the Memphis Grizzlies young talent a lot. We talk about the Pelicans young talent. We talk about these teams young talent. But I don't think we nearly talk about the Suns young talent. Uh, Cameron Payne, you know, he's been bouncing around the league for a while now. But it seems like he's found the spot. He's found his niche in Phoenix. Um, DeAndre Ayton out of Arizona. I like DeAndre Ayton. I was really high on him. Um, you know, he, he's not quite a superstar. I don't think he. I don't. I don't think he will be a superstar. But I could see him being an all-star caliber player. Um, and he played well. He he. Right now, he averages about nineteen and eleven. So, like, he's really good. Not quite an all-star yet, but I think he can get to that level very soon. Uh, I, I, I look at Dario Sarvich, uh, Makai Bridges, you, these young br- Kelly Oubre, and he didn't even play. Kelly, Kelly Oubre is having a sneaky good season. Kelly Oubre, he's averaging 18 points per game. So you have these young players that Phoenix have, along with Ricky Rubio, you, you sprinkle – some um you sprinkle s- some veterans in there along with the along with the uh, um the, the the other young guard Carter from um West Virginia really great defensive scrappy guard we don't give enough credit uh or respect to Phoenix young core but as Monty Williams said yesterday they they earned it and now they're getting it and I'm glad for the Phoenix Suns I think they played well throughout the bubble. It's kind of screwed up how Phoenix went eight and zero in the bubble, and they played great. They were the best team in the in the seeding games. But then Memphis, yeah, they had the eighth spot, but they went two and six in the bubble, and they still they still they still made the playing game. But I, I guess that's the benefit that Memphis has. Since they had the A spot coming into the bubble, but it, you know it, it, Phoenix was such a great story. I I would have me personally, I would have loved to see Devin Booker versus Damian Leonard, the two best players so far in the bubble. Um, both of those teams were hot. You know, Portland had to win a string of games to get in the play to get in the position that they are right now. Uh, Phoenix, I mean, nobody thought Phoenix could go 8-0, uh, no, you know, but Phoenix, they, I mean, boy, oh boy, they're young talent. This is definitely something they can build off of. And I'm hot, and, you know, Draymond, I talked about Draymond Green comments 
Now, I don't think the NBA should have fined him. I mean, because he was asked the question and he answered it as as honest as possible. I, so I, I I don't know why they fined him. I don't. I still don't understand. I still don't understand why they find find him. Um, but even in that, I was talking about how this false narrative around the league that I don't know. I don't know who created. But you can't win in small markets. And I talked about that on the previous episode. I said, you can win in small markets. There's small market teams that win. It's actually the big market teams that can't get it right. How long have the Wizards been stuck in mediocrity or, or worse? How long have the Hawks been? Like, Hawks haven't been good. Chicago Bulls haven't been good. New York Knicks haven't been good. Like... These teams aren't good. It's the big market teams that struggle to win. But Draymond said, Draymond said Devin Booker needs to get out of Phoenix. I don't know. Devin, you know, we, we, we live in such a... We, we live in this world today where things have to happen remotely. Things have to happen quickly. Devin Booker is only 23 years old. <laughs> I mean, the, the, he has... He has at least 10 more prime years. I, he has, I don't even think he's hit his prime. I don't even think he's hit his peak. I don't, I don't even think he hit his peak yet. But we, 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 we're so hyper quick. We, want things, we live in this world where we want things to happen so quickly, so expediently. And we put so much pressure on these young guys to win in the NBA where they're young stars. They, they, you know, they, Devin Booker's 23. 20, he's 23 years of age at, you know, after 27 points per game. After 28 points per game. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. In this eight-game eight window, he's averaged 30. And his game has come such a long way. Um, off the dribble, on the, you know, on the catch, uh, you know, driving to the basket, dunking on people. I, I mean... Just phenomenal, but we, we 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 you know we put a lot of pressure and a lot of you know pressure on these players at a young age. Need to win, Jordan. It took Jordan seven years to win. It took LeBron seven years in happening to leave dysfunctional Cleveland to go to Miami and win. It took Steph a while to win. It took KD a while to win. We put a lot of pressure. On these guys to win early and so fast, but we gotta let these get these get these get these give these kids time to for or room to grow, room to grow. Now I do think there's some players, some young players that are underperforming and they need to step up their play, and I think their leadership could be better. But Devin Booker, I mean, at 23. Leading his team in the bubble, going in 8-0, or finishing out 8-0. Uh, unfortunately, not making the playoffs, but this is still a great building block. And, you know, I talked about how, you know, Memphis, they went 2-6 and six in the bubble, but Memphis played well this year. They played well this year. Memphis played well. They played well enough to come into the bubble as the AFC. Phoenix didn't. So Phoenix, pick up where you, you know the Suns, that young core that they have. You know, Mont, shout out to Monty Williams, shout out to uh, James Jones. Pick up where you left off from. 
in the following season. Because, you know, so you can control your own destiny. Because, you know, Phoenix last night, they were they were hoping that Brooklyn wins last night. They, 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 were, they, they were, you know, you, don't, you should not have to rely on others to win games or lose games in order for you to get in. Like, no, control your own destiny. So I think this is a great building block for Phoenix. Devin Booker, I mean, you know, he, you know, the, the casual NBA fan don't know or don't realize how good Devin Booker is because, you know, he, he plays for the Suns. They, they, they don't, they, they haven't made the postseason since he's been in the league. They haven't made the postseason since 2010. So, you know, the casual fan don't realize like how good Devin Booker is, but the real hoopers, hoopers, like the real hoopers know. The real hoopers know how good Devin Booker is. They know. They know. They know how good Devin Booker is. And, you know, phenomenal throughout the, the bubble. He played well. And the Phoenix Suns, not just him, but the Phoenix Suns as a whole played well. Their young core played well. Um, I also saw this report that after the first round, via Woj, after the first round, the NBA are going to allow players to have guests. Um, and I found it quite hilarious that the, you know, that the NBA, they're, 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 they're practically, so practically, they're banning, they're, they're banning Instagram models. They're banning Instagram models. And I know some players date, some players in the bubble, they have their significant others that they date. Who I don't know would I don't know if they'd be able to get in. I don't know. <laughs> and like the NBA, they put out this receipt. Actually, I'm gonna read it. Um The NBA they put out this this report. Let me find it first. Um here it goes. Instagram models will be kept outside the NBA bubble. NBA players must must have a long-standing relationship for non-family members to be allowed in the bubble. The league and players agreed to, you know, the league and the Players Association, uh, agreed to keep casual acquaintances known by player, through, you know, via known by player through social media or like business encounters and so forth, blah, 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 blah. Uh, casual relationship, this is, this is what one GM said. Casual relationships or acquaintances could cause problems within your team, uh, one GM told ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Uh, because it, 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 we saw something like this with the Seattle Seahawks. There's a young cornerback um, for the Seattle Seahawks. Or, well, you know, he used to play for the Seattle Seahawks. He tried to sneak a, a girl in to the team hotel. I, I saw the details. So apparently the girl had um the girl had Seahawks gear on. She tried to pose as a Seahawks player with her Seahawks attire on. It didn't work. It didn't work. So um he was cut. They got caught. He got they got caught and he was cut from the Seattle Seahawks. I seen some people say, "Oh, that's too harsh." Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it. But um, <laughs> that's funny. 
It's not funny because he he lost his job, but this this whole bubble. I I, I knew that this was gonna obviously be a topic of conversation because you know that these these players are human too. These athletes are human too, and you know Lou Will and his situation. You just had to know that you just had to know that this bubble situation was going to get crazy. So, yeah, the, in order so if you're so if a player if an athlete wanted to if an athlete wanted to invite somebody that's a non-family member, they would have to have a long-standing relationship with that particular person. Hmm. And you know, so like, and when and when the NBA says long standing, like, what is what is considered long standing? A year, or is it two years, or is it six months? Is it eight months? And like, or significant? Like, how can you judge like a significant other? How can you judge that? I I don't know. How how can you judge that? <laughs> I mean, because somebody that you met three months ago could be more, you can deem that person more significant than somebody that you're related to, right? Right? Could you? I think so. I mean, perhaps that may be, that may be one player's situation where they they met somebody on social media three months ago or yeah, three months ago and they deem them more significant than somebody that they're related to. Something's going to go down with this. Trust me. Something is going to go down. I, I you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know, but some, this, this is, this isn't right. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. This, this is not right. Um, something's going to go down. Something's going to happen. I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's not too drastic. Like I, like I hope this, you know, if, if something, if something was to happen, I hope it wouldn't jeopardy. I hope it wouldn't put the season or put the NBA playoffs in jeopardy. I think if I'm the NBA, I'm only allowing one visitor, one visitor. I'm allowing one visitor because the bubble, they've been so good with the bubble. You know, no, no, you know, they haven't had positive tests. No, no positive tests lately. They've been so good with that. I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it. But I don't know. I have a funny. I have a. And when I was in this report came out earlier this week, I you know I was I was listening to all the shows react about it, and I'm like, oh, something's gonna happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how this looks. And I think it's. I think players could bring four. And like it was so weird because, like, say if somebody like LeBron James, like, because he's married, he's happily married, he has kids. You could bring kids, but they got to be under thirty-two inches. And we all know LeBron, his—I mean, at least both his sons are taller than thirty-two inches. I don't—I don't know how tall her, his daughter is, but his sons are taller than thirty-two inches. So I, I don't know. You will you will practically have to have a little like a, a you have to have a toddler, a child. You would have to have like a kid 
not like a teenager. You, you would have to have a kid. And a lot of these guys are young. So they don't really have, they don't have kids. They don't have kids or children who are LeBron's age. Like LeBron's older son is a freshman in high school. There's not a lot of players in the league that's in the bubble that have a kid as old as Bronny. So that's interesting. Um, LeBron, he's the old, he's old, he's old dude. Um, but that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I don't know. You guys tell me how you feel about that. Also, by the way, I'm going live at nine o'clock on Friday. So this is this episode is going to come out on Friday. And it's going to come out before I go live. I'm going live on Instagram at 9. So if you made it this far to the podcast, <laughs> I don't know if you endured. I, like, I'm not sure. I wonder about that. How many of you guys listen to the podcast and actually reach the end? Because I feel like I make some mistakes at the end of the podcast. But I also, I'm also thinking, well, these podcasts are about an hour long. How many people actually make it to the end to actually hear the mistakes? Because, <laughs> I mean, I know, like, I, I think I did, it, I did a duo list a couple, like a couple weeks ago, and I made a mistake. But I don't know how many people actually heard the mistake. Because I don't know, I, I, you guys may not listen all the way for the full, like, most of these podcast episodes are an hour and 15. Most of them. They're about an hour and 15. I don't know how many guys, I don't know how many of you guys listen to an hour and 15. I don't know. But that's great. We had a great part today. Um, I'm going to get you guys, I'm going to get you guys out of here if you're still here. <laughs> if you're still here, I'm going to get you guys out of here. Some of you guys probably just left on your own, but that's okay. That's okay. You guys click, keep clicking. You guys are doing a great job with clicking on the podcast, spreading the podcast. We're going up. We'll continue to trend upward, upward, upward. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys for continuing to show love, um, show some support. Thank you guys. You know, stay safe out there. Still stay safe out there. COVID is still running rapid. Um, college football, all I'm going to say, all I'm going to say about college, these are the two things I'm going to say about college football. First, college football is a business. It, it, it's a business. It, it, it's about the moolah. It starts with the money and it ends with the money. College football is all about the lettuce. So I see, I, I see a lot of these, these, because I'm, I'm from DC, if you don't know. And I go to American University. I'm, I'm, I'm a freshman at American University. I'm a freshman at AU. And there's a lot of schools in the Carolinas, um, Florida, Alabama, Georgia. I don't, I follow, I, you know, I know a couple, I know a few people that go to schools in those areas, Tennessee, that go to schools in those areas, and they're back in school. That's why I make, that's why the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC, they're trying to have seasons. And the Big Ten, they got some, there are some schools up north that have kids going back to school, but no football. That's what I, that's why, that's what I don't understand. But let's just say the ACC, the, uh, the Big 12, the SEC, that, let's just say they have football season. They have the football season, but it starts to unravel and they have like COVID cases going out the roof. The Big Ten would be right. 
the big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 would have made the right decision. But I'm gonna get you guys out of here. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. We had a great pod today. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in. I catch you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend. Deuces. See y'all.